You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or die shrink for 3 percent off everything else on the website all right now let's get on with the show Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, RTX 408012 Tom, and I am joined today, of course, like I always am on my news episodes, are my co-host, uh, RTX actually 4070 12GB Dan. Yeah, um, there's a, there's going to be... There's going to be a lot to discuss about that one later in yeah. the episode. Um, <laughs> I mean, good Lord. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I gotta say, I don't know that we have that much time for banter, but I guess I must ask to be polite. I mean, how, how's your day going, Dan? How'd this week go? Uh, pretty fine, I suppose. Uh, you, I guess. <laughs> I think you're laughing because you know my answer is going to be not great. <laughs> it's been a yeah, I know you. It's been a rough, rough couple days. So, which I, I suppose I, I should say something because you guys are so used to seeing Reese and all of our ads, and she's downstairs right now with a cone around her head because I, there's no way to say it. Well, I mean, me and her got attacked by a dog. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into the breed. I don't want to get into too many details, but. Truly, a, a dog came out of nowhere where we were walking near a park. Like, uh, if I wouldn't have acted quickly, I, Reese, I really do think would have been dead within a minute. I got injured by the dog as well. I'm fine. Um, I, I've got a few scars, but nothing too bad. Reese is doing okay enough. It's been quite a year for her having to deal with cancer and now yeah. this. And, Man, you know, I tried to take it easy Wednesday, and that is not how I wanted to spend my evening. I mean, my my girlfriend had to show up out of nowhere. She is COVID, so she just had to show up with a mask on so she could drive Reese to the veterinarian. Well, I drove to get medical help at the same time, and then we tried to meet up. It was... I don't think we need to get into too many more details than that, but Reese may not be in some ads soon. <laughs> she should be in everything in this episode, but yeah, she's still fighting cancer and uh, recovering from a ridiculous attack out of nowhere. I just, the only other thing I would say is if you seriously, people, if you are not going to put in the effort to train your dog and keep it secured, don't own dogs. Like some breeds are dangerous if not properly trained. And you're a menace to other people if you own a dog. If you're too old to take care of a dog, don't get a real dog. Get a little 10-pound one that can't hurt other people. That's why you do also, that. Still train that dog, though, because... It's still like, annoying when they bite at me, even if they're 10 pounds. 
think there's a, an impression that little dogs are like bad are like not as well behaved or not as trainable. And it's just like, now if you train them, I've seen plenty of good small dogs in my life. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they can be smarter than you think. You just have to actually cultivate their health, their brain and yeah. not treat them like truly like objects. Yeah. yeah. They are living animals, but, um, Dollars to say it's been it's been honestly a very rough week here, but the show goes on. You know, we're not going to pay for our leather jackets complaining here. Um, which speaking of leather jackets, Sarcastro writes in just like you guys can if you support us on Patreon. He says, Tom, sorry, but NVIDIA apparently invented this phrase. You've got to rename your channel now. I suggest Gamers Linus Nexus Sense Tips Unboxed Fun Time Number One Best Mega. I don't know what's happening here. Sarcastro combining a bunch of word, a bunch of uh, words from uh, popular channels. Stuff. Yes, but what, he, what he's referencing, and there's a link in the description, is Jensen Wang just openly said Moore's Law is dead. That's why things are more expensive. Mm -hmm. because we have to go above and beyond to bring you the performance you expect every year, the performance increases, which me and you have talked about this the other day, Dan. I think there's legitimately evidence after Jensen said Moore's Law is dead, our YouTube channel got a massive uptick in views for a couple hours. Now, already the recent videos we've been doing have been overwhelmingly popular. It's been a great year for the channel. So we are doing well, but out of, this is actually while I was at the veterinarian, with my mm -hmm. girlfriend and i'm like wait why is why is this video's views just skyrocketing out of nowhere this hour compared to the last hour i i think there's a chance it's because of that i, I don't know for sure yeah i mean i don't think there's any way to prove it i i did see that he said that and i was like hmm i wonder <laughs> i wonder if there was an uptick in viewership because people like saw that and then went on to YouTube and it said like NVIDIA Moore's Law is dead or something like that. I think there's a legitimate chance. I, I'm sure it affected it somewhat. How much of it? I don't know. But so, yeah, I, I really appreciate the plug from uh, Jensen. <laughs> um, well, anyways, let us get into corrections and omissions. NVIDIA CEO Tensor Enthusiast writes in. He says, Tom. It isn't the halo effect. It isn't the Ferrari effect that you and Mark talked about in the last Broken Silicon. Trust me, it's the leather jacket effect. And he says, notice how Lisa Sue sometimes wears leather jackets now. This is the reason AMD has become more competitive lately. Huh? I mean, we can't say if the jackets uh, cause the, uh, the uh, positive reviews or if positive reviews cause the jackets, Tom. There's no way to prove it. I would say, my friend... Thank you for writing in, but Halo Effect, Ferrari Effect, we know what that means just by saying them. That's what that means, okay? Having said that, the leather jacket effect is a thing, but I think it's a different thing. The leather jacket effect is just what we should call a Silicon CEO that realizes they're killing it. They just have to buy a leather jacket. And you see this. I think Elon Musk I mean, wears a lot of leather jackets too. There's, if you're in Silicon Valley and your company's even perceived as successful, it's time to go get some leather jackets. I mean, we could probably really even call it the the turtleneck effect if we're going all the way back to like uh, mm. Steve Jobs. But there's yeah, definitely there's something to that. <laughs> well, there's there's definitely well, something especially to Steve Jobs, but copying yeah, I, that right was it Theranos? She just straight up copied Steve Jobs. Yeah, and Jensen X Jensen went for his own look, you know. 
Yeah, eventually that look went into the ground a little bit, and I think it hasn't happened yet with other jackets, but we'll see. We'll, well, we'll see. When you just watch out, eventually everyone's just going to start doing it at arm, and it, and then one company's going to do it who didn't really earn it, and they'll ruin it for everyone else. I think, <laughs> except for Jensen, I think he's always going to be a leather daddy. Shredbird writes in <laughs> and he says, "Hi, Tom and Dan." In reference to the discussion in Broken Silicon 170, well, I just wanted to add some information about MEMS devices for you. And what are these micro electromechanical systems yeah. or something? Yeah, that sounds right. Th these are like nano mechanical devices, like very small mechanical devices. So, like shrinking a computer down, that's a mechanical one, so small you can put it inside of like something that you would usually need like a, a piece of silicon to do. It says, the truth is that they are already being heavily used in a lot of technology we use. The most common example is in physical sensors in our cell phones, such as accelerometers and gyroscopes. Historically, these sensors were pretty crappy. Their measurements were noisy and would drift quickly over time. However, they've gotten much better recently to the point that you can use them to enable device-oriented tracking, which has enabled things like AR, VR, and motion controls for your games. The other place where people will be familiar with these in their daily lives is hobbyist drones. These sensors have improved to the point where they've become part of a very robust uh, inertial measurement unit in INS inertial navigation systems, allowing these drones with the, the addition of GPS to navigate with very good precision. These drones, mind you, have been weaponized as it doesn't take much <laughs> to strap a drone with a grenade or something. But anyways, your intuition being used for bombs and missiles is not incorrect. Guided munitions have been using MEMS heavily for a while, <laughs> although genuinely of much higher fidelity. MEMS are used in clock generations and everything from iPhones, and he goes on. You know, again, we this came up in the last news episode, and I thought of a way they're used, you thought of a way, and I think we can just say, if we can immediately come up with things that they are used for, both of us, and they're different things, I think they're probably just being used everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they, they have to be, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Carbon Cry writes in. He says, correction for broken Silicon 171. Discussing RDNA 3, Mark repeats a common misconception regarding the power cost of chiplets, saying we would see that in the power eaten by MCDs on Navi 31 and 32. This is a continuation of misrepresentations of Ryzen IO die power usage, and Mark even mentions it in that connection. The fact is that only a portion of IO die power is the link to core chiplets. A lot of it is IO at a monolithic chip would also have. And even then, only a portion of the actual link power to core chiplets is power that wouldn't be spent on a monolithic design because even a monolithic design needs to link that IO to the cores. Monolithic is cheaper, but it ain't free. It still has wires. People see the IO die power and think that the chiplets cost so much more in power usage, but it just simply isn't true. The thing that has changed is that now we see the IO power. Whilst on a monolithic design, we do not. Most of the IO die power would be spent by a monolithic design using a similar amount of power consumption anyways well, that's interesting put into context when we talk about rdna3 later in this episode mm -hmm. um which actually come to think of it i was talking to someone at amd and he was talking about how like with apus and stuff um that already like monolithic designs just disable parts of the dies entirely to save power at least rembrandt does mm -hmm. and that when we talk about like the benefits of a chiplet design disabling chiplets were not in use he goes i mean like we do that now so <laughs> yes they will do that but we do that now with mm -hmm. monolithic designs all right let us tarry no further it is time to get into the news let's get to story number one Citing price increases and shrinking margins, EVGA quits NVIDIA. Quoting from 
John Petty Research, after 22 years of being an NVIDIA-only GPU AIB partner, EVGA, the largest AIB supplier of NVIDIA GPU-based boards in North America, has had enough. The company told us they would not sell AIBs based on, which is Adam Boards, based on NVIDIA's next-generation series of GPUs. The news comes as a huge surprise to us and will likely shake up the entire PC graphics industry. EVGA is the leading AIB supplier in the U.S. and a leading U.S. supplier in Europe. Over the years, the complexity, wattage, price, and size have grown from a small single-slot AIB-type card to dual-slot and now above dual-slot 500-watt and up $1,500-plus monsters. The transistor and processor density of GPUs have ramped faster than Moore's Law, delivered amazing results in computer accelerators across a range of industries. They've been found used in games, media entertainment, simulations, crypto mining, AI training, to name a few. But at the same time, manufacturing costs have not kept Moore's Law alive. R&D expenses and market costs have gone up drastically, and margins for the AIB partners have come vastly down. The old joke about making it up on volume because less and less becomes less and less funny over the years. NVIDIA's margins have gone up over time as they moved into adjacent markets. However, the cost of goods, manufacturing, and marketing for EVG and presumably other AIB partners as well has gone up in a way that these other benefits to NVIDIA have not. Also, EVGA is unusual compared to its peer companies and that in the AIB market because this company maintains a large engineering staff that most AIBs don't have and designs its PCBs and cooling systems more specifically, as well as provides software for monitoring and overclocking with EVGA Precision, 24-7 premium customer service, 48-hour RMA return policies, and innovative queue systems that delivered AIBs to gamers during the pandemic. EVGA also put more into the packaging than most, if not all of their competitors, as part of its goal to be the quality AIB supplier to the demanding high-end gamer. Also, EVGA helped NVIDIA design their, mm-hmm. their uh, reference cards for since the uh, GTX 690, I'm told. So they just did that to help NVIDIA, unlike other AIBs, and that was, that was cost. They had to pay... Slowly over time, the relationship between EVGA and NVIDIA changed from what EVGA considered a true partnership to a customer-seller arrangement, whereby EVGA was no longer being consulted on new product announcements and briefings not featured at events and not informed of price changes. For example, on September 7th, NVIDIA offered, via Best Buy, an RTX 3090 Ti for $1,100, undercutting EVGA and other partners that were offering their products at $1,400. They did not warn EVGA of the price cut and left their partners with little choice but to just start selling inventory at a lower price without warning. They then dropped their price to $1,080 on Newegg. EVGA dropped theirs to $1,150. Yeah, so but this was big news. I have my thoughts on it. I have new things I can add to it. I, this news broke uh, officially while I was talking to Mark on the podcast, which was, <laughs> I think we did a good job of covering it, but that was nuts. Dan, when did you hear about this? I believe after I stopped recording the podcast, actually, uh, or while I was recording, I saw on like one of our friend group chats, like you and our friend Brock, just like going, oh my God, and talking. <laughs> How did you see this news and what did you think of it? Um, well, it, I got a, uh, I believe it was, yeah, uh, Gamers Nexus YouTube recommendation because they essentially broke the news. Uh I mean, they. I know they just ha- were it, able to break that before the mainstream websites, which is unusual for a YouTube channel. Well, they did. John Petty did. Jay's yeah. Two Cents did. This all happened at the same time I, EVGA I mean, announced it. 
Yeah, and I guess that's just how the information got to me first. And I, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things that like is it's going to shake up the market in such a way that it's kind of hard to overstate how important it is. Like, uh, I don't know if it's quite the same. Well, it's not the same magnitude as far as like a, a purchase, but like. It was kind of the same feeling I got when like uh, Microsoft bought Activision, where it's just like, oh, that's a thing that was yeah, a possibility. Yeah, but the opposite. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's. It, I don't mean like the, I thought it was no, a but no, thing, I, but I like, get the I get the feeling. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's just oh, uh, this wasn't even really a thing I considered as a possibility. <laughs> you know, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's just I can't think of a any other uh, PC. I mean, uh, AIB severing ties and having it be as big of a story. The only other one I could think of as comparable is if like Sapphire severed their relationship with AMD. But I think this is generally still considered a bigger story because I mean, EVGA is kind of synonymous with NVIDIA. Like that's, that, uh, that's at least the plurality of NVIDIA cards. I know in like the U S yeah. Yeah. For, for when people buy a card, they tend to get an EVGA card, at least uh, in people from people I know, you know, and that, you know, they did this by for fair, fair or not, is they got their brand out there as a premium brand. Well, if we're being honest during the Ampere generation being and I noticed and, and I had sources point this out to me for months, but it, EVGA often had the cheapest options too. like they are the ones who have like a 2060 KO with Turing and they were the only ones who typically had some $250, 3050, maybe only 10 were sold, but it was always them. They often you go to EVGA's website, the 3090 Ti was usually the cheapest and then NVIDIA undercut them again and they had to drop prices again. So NVIDIA was pushed, I'm told by NVIDIA to also be one of the lowest margin people. That is how they got to some of their high market share. But also, they did it to, they thought it was a partnership where they were trying to make each other look good. And it just seems like over time, NVIDIA just is like they do with so many companies, just use them more and more and more. And it was not a partnership. Well, yeah, I mean, to some extent, I I don't want to draw this as a complete parallel because they're obviously completely different markets. But it's it's like as if a car dealership almost is partnered with I, I don't know any big car manufacturer and mm. then they just start doing direct to consumer selling and undercutting every dealer that they're partnered with by like 20 to 30 percent i mean <laughs> i i guess for I some mean that, that's 100 percent true like if you're you worked at a gm car dealership then gm just says oh now we're selling it direct from the factory and completely cutting out any tie to a dealership and we're not going to tell them when we're dropping prices on a car model or what the car model is going to cost before it's like why are we even here like you're just cutting us out you have advantages we don't have because you're making and designing the cards how are we supposed to make a profit if you're moving the margin so low that only someone with all not all-knowing knowledge could possibly make a profit yeah i know it, it and you know we talk we discuss the how the founders were kind of there to anchor msrp or not anchor msrp but advertise that the msrp was a thing that some cards were selling for but i mean i guess you miss that from the uh perspective of aibs it's just like oh well so you're just making us look like the assholes this entire time Mm -hmm. and like that's the best case scenario for them 
uh, when I, I don't know. It seems like from what most AIBs are, or what comes out of most or leaks out of most AIBs, it seems like they really aren't making that high margins on most of these cards. So it's like, oh, if you cut them, undercut us by $300, we're now selling these things at cost or below cost. But well, we need to get rid of the stock at some point. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if I hear like whether it's from someone at like Gigabyte or Asus or MSI right now, if you ask them what they think about EVGA leaving and stuff, they like they have their reasons for believing EVGA maybe had thinner margins than they did. And then they go, you know, we're excited to support RDNA 3. We think RDNA 3 will have better margins. But at the same time, we have to work with NVIDIA. So whatever they do, we have to put up with it. And it just seems like EVGA was is the first one to say, well, we don't think we do. And they have a very <laughs> successful power supply business. You know, this is something new I've been told recently as well, that I think a lot of people are like, well, EVGA is going to go out of business. And I'm not saying they might not. We'll find out in a couple of years. But from what I've heard, they're making motherboards. They've already started making AMD motherboards, too. Mm-hmm. They uh, There's way better margins on motherboards. Someone was just telling me today that it's like way, way, way better than GPUs. and they can take people who are doing PCB design and do PCB and and this is claimed by people at EVGA I talked to. They claim they can like redirect these people to work on designing motherboards and stuff. So that's what they're claiming. They're saying, no, really don't count us out. We really do think we can make this work. But yeah. The the one thing I'm not sure about uh, with EVGA um, um, staying committed to their employees. Um, I guess the one thing I would be worried about with that is if they're going to have to completely restructure their company in order to move around to to, uh, motherboard, motherboards and power supplies being their primary product, or at least I would assume so. And I mean, I know a lot of their staff is like support staff and, I don't know. Mm. I, I, I I have no doubt they're probably gonna have to lay off some people, though. I, I, I'm just I'm skeptical of a claim they won't. But I would also say from what I'm being told, don't be so sure they're going to go out of business, though, or that they're gonna have to lay off half their staff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hope not just for, <laughs> you know, the sake of the people that work there. And if they continue making uh, good products and other uh, in other, I mean, good other products that aren't GPUs in this market. Well, I mean, they still have a place and, you know, it's not like they're a massive company. They're like 250 something people. So, eh, I mean, I think that's I think uh, they still have enough technology to tackle uh, that they can send 250 people at. It's just, well, 80 percent of their revenue was (laughs) graphics cards. So presumably uh, a lot of people. I'm presumably a lot of people are currently like not feeling great about their jobs right now. You know, you know, it's funny. Gamers Nexus put out a video today where one of the stories he addressed was just like kind of updates to EVGA stuff he's hearing. And I, I, I I like that he brought something up that, uh, (laughs) I, I wonder if he's gotten the same comments I have. And by the way, it's been like, free comments so i don't think a lot of people think this but i've seen people be like how did you not hear about this before and he addressed that and he goes this seems like it was just a decision at the very top it like yes there were things that contributed to this which he's covered 
I've covered. If you've been following Moore's Law is Dead for like a year, like, and then you saw this, you're like, oh, well, this entirely lines up with everything we've said, you know, for the past year, for past two years. Um, but like this idea that like they had planned this, no. There, uh, a couple people I talked to that work with people at EVGA heard that this could happen eventually. But the idea that it was like set in stone months ago, I don't, that's no, it, like this was a thing where the CEO saw what was happening with Lovelace and said, you know what? In a few days, I think we're leaving NVIDIA and he just, you know, it uh, happen. how, how, uh, how many days before, uh, the Lovelace, uh, address thing was this like, so Lovelace was what, two days ago. So mm-hmm. yeah. Two weeks before, a little three days ago. Yeah, three days ago. So yeah, about two weeks exactly before that uh, happened. Yeah, I mean, one week. What? Yeah, Yeah. So I don't know. That all makes sense to me and lines up. Like it sounds like they were continually hearing less and less news and becoming less and smaller and smaller partners as time went on. So it wouldn't surprise me if they learned about Lovelace and they're just like, Oh, I mean, we can't keep up with, we're not partners anymore, you know? And you know what? Everyone's going to need a new power supply. So why don't we just do this? <laughs> yeah, true. Ring of Destru- destruction writes in and he says with EVGA completely exiting the GPU market, at least for now, what impact do you think this will have on NVIDIA and the GPU market as a whole? Could this departure of one of the biggest board partners that is almost synonymous with NVIDIA give them a bit of a black eye in the eyes of the public? How could this move affect the other AIBs? Did you hear anything about the move before it was announced? Well, I again, w- what I heard before this was announced was like NVIDIA was desperate. My most popular videos this year, they were desperate. They couldn't make money. They were worried about going out of business. Mm-hmm. They were tired of NVIDIA's BS. That's what I heard. But this, I don't want to say it was like a knee jerk. The CEO then decided enough is enough. That and Gamers Nexus said the same thing on Friday. You know, this was not something where every employee knew. This was like three people at the top knew maybe a week before it was going to happen. Like, that's it. That's all there is to say. So this was kind of sudden, but the reasons for it were not. Now, when it comes to the other board partners, this is something I've also asked about, which is interesting. Other board partners don't have much to say. They're like, in the U.S., they're the plurality. Overseas, they're not. We'll take up the slack. We'll make more cards. That's what other AIBs claim. We'll see what yeah, happens. And, and you know, I, there's no at this point no reason to believe that they won't be able to pick up the slack. The one thing I would say, though, is uh, EVGA, like I said earlier, is synonymous to a lot of people with NVIDIA. And I wonder how common um, brand loyalty or if this is testing the brand loyalty of some uh, NVIDIA buyers where, oh, maybe they were more EVGA buyers than NVIDIA. You know what I mean? Well, we're going to find out, right? I, I if the Reddit comment sections were anything to say about it, <laughs> it seems like a lot of people uh, just buy EVGA cards exclusively. So I have seen people say that. Um, the only thing I would say though is like I'm noticing PNY show up more and more in the U.S. Mm-hmm. 
I actually like PNY cards quite a bit, by the way. I think you know that. Um, they, uh, I, I could just see someone like them stepping in. You know, they make NVIDIA's yeah. professional cards, so they're probably known for quality and stability. I, I think what you're going to see is other AIBs take market share. PNY probably take a lot more <laughs> in the US, and that's... And and I, but I don't but his question do you think that how much do you think this has really damaged Nvidia's reputation? Um, it's it's really hard to say right now. I I think because you never know with stuff like this if this is just a three day or one week long news cycle or something where people are mad and then they just kind of forget about it, you know. But uh, I I, I certainly think it uh, it's somewhat damaging, and I think. They probably lost some customers due to this. I, I don't think suddenly fifty percent of people that only buy Nvidia cards are going to stop doing it. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, I even saw this today. Uh, apropos to like one of your previous points, uh, like Kingpin, the uh, overclocker, is now saying he wants to partner with another company so he can keep doing their special designs. Yeah. So. To, to, to ask your point that other companies will go in and fill the gaps. I mean, MSI will just, probably reach out to him. Yeah, it's just Kingpin's just like, hey, I still want to do this. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that tells you something, too. I don't think he didn't know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man. Savage SMC writes in and he says, Tom, you said in recent podcasts that you've heard NVIDIA has one year of backlog of inventory and warehouses for Ampere, that they're forcing AIBs to help reduce before releasing at least the low end of their RTX 4000 series GPUs. Doesn't it seem odd that just a few months ago we went from having an extreme shortage of GPUs to now a year's worth of backlog? That's almost unheard of today's with just in-time manufacturing to have that huge of a backlog. To me, it seems like part of NVIDIA's ultimate play was to also manipulate the markets by using their 80% market share to create false shortages of GPUs to double pricing. Then after the fact, make the AIBs eat the cost of the backlog. Seems like a really big class action lawsuit in the making for me, if that's true. The AIBs and us gamers to put against some monopolistic practices of NVIDIA. Also more reason why it was the right decision to block their acquisition of ARM. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) I think everyone agrees with you on that. Apple and Samsung would have like gone to war over that though so yeah. that is why that did they didn't weren't able to acquire arm as for this other stuff i mean i i i had a one of my most popular videos last year was nvidia halts production you know which is what i was told they were doing and who knows though maybe they just stored a bunch of dyes in a warehouse told aibs they were halting production i don't know there's definitely some manipulation that's been going on this whole time. There has to have been. The the fact that there are so many leftover cards now in a, a, a quote-unquote uh, low supply market, that has to be the, <laughs> what happened. But I guess it's at a certain point, and we'll see to what the extent is, this is coming back to bite them because uh, <laughs> being De Beers doesn't really work. Uh <laughs> <laughs> with gpus yeah, that's what they were doing because basically. uh tom there's a key difference between gpus and diamonds uh diamonds don't advance every year they're the same yeah. thing year to year <laughs> i love if a diamond salesman came and it's just like well, that's absolutely not true the latest cuts you know i'm sure he'd <laughs> we can do two nanometer cuts with diamonds now 
Is this Tim Apple if he was a diamond salesman? <laughs> I, I almost went into display. I almost went into a Tim Apple impression for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and uh, the only other thing I would point out, though, to Savage SMC, thank you for writing in, is just keep in mind that uh, they were selling an unknown amount of cards directly to miners, and those miners would have stopped buying everything about two months ago. And so maybe, I've said, I think a fourth, a third of all the cards made are like whatever. And so then you just have months of that piling up over and over and over. And then all orders for Ampere cards over the next six months from miners is canceled. And all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, we have twice as much as we need. And then you have miners flooding eBay as well. If no one, that's just the thing. If no one could have foreseen that, that's crazy. Because it's not like we didn't know what was going to happen with uh, Ethereum, you know, to uh, proof of stake. <laughs> like, yeah, we, yeah, we, well, we you know, knew a mining crash was coming because, like, the biggest, or not the biggest, but the biggest uh, graphics mining. card mining network uh, is it has been signaling for years, and they said, "Listen, we are my, it is going to migrate to proof of stake this year." Everybody knew it. And whether it succeeded or the blockchain fell apart, they were going to try to make it happen. Something was going to make it so the Ethereum network isn't mining. Yeah, exactly. So they should have at least planned for that. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, this is still a developing story though. Everything about Mm -hmm. Ampere Supply. I'm sure we'll have a lot more fun stories to discuss very soon. This fall, where you're trying to stay warm and avoid scary activation fees for Windows software, consider using CDKeyOffer.com. CDKeyOffer.com is a long-term sponsor of Moore's Law's Dead and its community for any time anyone in this community needs legitimate Windows keys and doesn't feel like paying excessive monopolistic licensing fees to get access to them. But that's not all they offer either. They also have great deals on PlayStation, Steam, Origin, and Uplay keys and physical products like gaming chairs and keyboards as well. They are always running sales, but make sure you use the best code Codes possible provided for the Moore's Laws Dead community. Use the link in the description or on screen, and then use the code Broken Silicon to get 25% off. Windows codes or die shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. This really does help Moore's Laws Dead when you use these keys and click these links, and it helps you pay reasonable prices for products that, let's face it, you just kind of need sometimes and you don't want to overpay for. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's continue the NVIDIA discussion train here and move on to story number two. NVIDIA reveals Ada Lovelace GPU secrets, extreme transistor counts at high clock. So I'm going to read a Tom's Hardware article, but first let me just say it. I've, of course, put out a video. We did an emergency die shrink. We had our initial reactions for patrons. That's up there if you support us on Patreon. Let's just recap. NVIDIA announced the RTX 4000 series. There's a 4090 24 gigabyte for $1,600, a 4080 16 gigabyte for $1,200. That's 8102 for the top one, 8103 for the second one, and then an 8104 based $900 4080 12 gigabyte announced as well. All of these cards make weird claims of doubling rasterization performance over various Ampere predecessors. That's really the best thing I can say to describe it because it's something doesn't add up. They're it, like, 
the way some of their claims on different slides sound. It's like, wait, now it's a 3080, now it's a 3080 Ti, now it's a 3090 Ti, oh, but it's a 3090 Ti DLSS 3s on. They're basically claiming doubling of performance, but I think it's very clear. Doubling of performance is the 30 or the 4090 in in many scenarios, but not all. Then below that, uh, there's a lot of evidence that indeed the 4080 12 gigabytes around the performance of a 3080 Ti to 3090 Ti somewhere in there. Uh, before you account for ray tracing but also they but when it comes to ray tracing they're making pretty insane claims as well two to four times the ray tracing performance whatever the heck that means i mean that that actually really annoys me well which one is it (laughs) who knows tom (laughs) because doubling performance and ray tracing over for example a 3090 ti which is what they say the 4090 can do in a lot of triple a games like flight simulator that would suggest slightly better ray tracing increase than raster well and other AAA games such as RX Racer. Right. You know, that was the one where it's 4X. I don't know if that really counts. I don't think there's going to be almost any game that actually is that. From what we can tell, it seems like the ray tracing increase is about... The, the raster increase is between 80 to 100% increase. The That's ray tracing increase bet, yeah. seems to be between 90 to 150% increase. That's what it seems like, but there will be some yeah. fully ray traced games that get close to three hundred uh, a tripling of ray tracing performance, supposedly. Anyways, though, let me read some more details here from Tom's hardware. When NVIDIA introduced its Ada Lovelace family of graphics processing units earlier this week, it mainly focused on its top of the range 8102 GPU and its flagship GeForce uh, RTX 4090 graphics card. It didn't release too many details about 103 and 104 graphics chips back then. Fortunately, though, now NVIDIA has uploaded its Ada Lovelace white paper today that contains loads of data about the new GPUs and fills in many gaps. We've updated the RTX 40 series GPUs information on our website every time we know in a central hub. But here's the overview of the new and interesting information from our perspective. We already knew that NVIDIA's range topping 8104 2 is a 608 millimeter square GPU containing 76.3 billion transistors, which is 18,432 CUDA cores in the full configuration with 96 megabytes of L2 cache. Massive amount of L2 cache, guys. We also know that 8103 is a 378.6 millimeter square graphics processor featuring 45.9 billion transistors with 10,240 CUDA cores and 64 megabytes of L2 cache. It's less than what a lot of rumors said. As for the 8104, it has a die size of 294.5 millimeter squared, 35.8 billion transistors, and that comprises of 7,680 CUDA cores and 48 megabytes of L2 cache. Complexity and die sizes of NVIDIA's Ada Lovelace graphics processing units compared to the company's Ampere GPUs should not come as a surprise. The new added GPUs are made using TSMC's 4N node, which, to be fair, is a 5 nanometer node fabrication technology, whereas Ampere was fabbed on Samsung's 8LPP process, which is an updated 10 nanometer node with a 10% optical shrink. That added complexity and transistor count is what enables impressive performance gains in the things of ray tracing and quality gains like DLSS 3. Another thing to note is that NVIDIA's 8102 GPU actually has a far higher transistor density than its lesser siblings. On the one hand, that 3.6% added transistor density allows it to pack significantly more execution units, 80% more in 8102 compared to the 8103. But on the other hand, the relaxed transistor density of 103 and 104 in many cases is enabling those smaller dies to have much better yields and higher clock speeds. It's hard to make predictions about the top 
frequency potential of 103 and 104 without access to the actual hardware. But it does seem like one if 102 can hit 2.5 to 3 gigahertz, then it's reasonable to expect that 103 and 104 have even higher potential than 3 gigahertz in extreme scenarios. We know as well that the 4080 gigabyte uses a fully enabled 104 chip running at 2.6 gigahertz, while the 4080 gigabyte uses 95% of an 8103 chip. It's right, because if it's only 80 SMs in the full die, it's actually cut down less than I we thought. It's only mm-hmm. cut down by 5%. We're at 2.5 gigahertz. The 4090 only uses 89% of its 144 SMs, making it 128 and boost to 2.5 gigahertz, also with 25% of the L2 cache disabled. So yeah, and there's also some other things to note here, like 8103 has 112 ROPs, which is a ton. Um, AD104 only has 80 ROPs less than the 3080. All right, Dan. I mean, this is the summary here that we have. I I know you had time to look over a bunch of articles online before we started recording. What just what, what do you want to start with? There's a lot here. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I, I think the big I think the big thing to to discuss uh without retreading too much what we talked about although we probably should retread a little bit on this episode obviously from the die shrink of course because it's the public episode yeah yeah but uh i think it's just important to note like how negative the reception was and why it was so negative because it, it it i've never seen a presentation from a company feel more like they're trying to pull a fast one on you the entire time you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like... Brett Summers writes in. He says, hello, Tom and Dan. <laughs> Do you think Lovelace is affecting NVIDIA's mindshare? I see everywhere people hating on them for various aspects, but how much will this actually translate into changes for the grand scheme of things? Are we looking at just the vocal minority here like usual? That a- I'll say this, AIBs think so. I-, I always have to bet to some extent, yes. Like when you look at a Yelp review uh, for a restaurant, the negative reviews always out crowd out the positive reviews, even in a generally good restaurant, because like mm-hmm. you're more likely to go get internet. Ang- if you get internet angry over, instead of internet happy, there's a higher chance you're going to write something. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I think that has to be some of it. Um, like people that post on Reddit and stuff, or people that are commenting on the GDC keynote, are probably people that are bigger fans than the average or bigger followers of the PC market than uh, the average. Which means probably more critical because they look at stuff more. Yeah, so you might have a lot of people that are like, you know, I've I've gone with NVIDIA for four generations now or something, and screw it, I'm either not going to buy or maybe I'll try AMD. So I I think it's going to have some impact uh, long-term. I also do think a lot of it is people venting because they're frustrated with what they were shown and they'll ultimately buy it anyways, you know? Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of people saying, I wasn't sure if I would want to get a 3090, but I think I'm actually going to go for the 4090 this time. So I think Hmm. the 4090 is presented and priced in a way that it will get a lot of Obviously, the 3090 day one buyers, the 3090 Ti buyers are going to go right to the 4090. Duh. But I also think that they've probably won over some of the 3080 Ti people and stuff because mm-hmm. it it is an insane performance increase. And look, it it looks... And, I, and 
I think they're over, you know, they're peacocking a bit and embellishing. Of course they are. But to be clear, this is a bigger increase than Ampere. And I have seen people downplay it a little bit. We'll have to see how crappy the 12 gigabyte 4080 is. But I think the 4090 is going to be an absolute monster. Well, yeah. And I think that was kind of the one positive thing from the presentation. And that's why people are... I, I generally speaking, don't see people being mad about the 4090, at least, because uh, it, this is a, a all a game of expectations. And I think everybody was kind of expecting at this point for a 4090 to be priced at like eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars is like, I think what the average person would bet on. Um, and there are some see- suggestions that they last minute made it sixteen hundred, by the way. <laughs> I can't say I'm 100% sure of that. I can reveal this. I was told that at a minimum, it's going to cost more than the 3090. So that, you know, that means it's going to be at least $1,600 and that it could be up to 2,500. When I saw 1,600, I wasn't surprised, actually. I just was like, oh, that's the minimum I heard. But then the others were past what the max. But I can see like a 1070 or 1080 Ti buyer that was like decided to skip Ampere because they're like, oh, this seems pretty freaking expensive. Now seeing uh, the 39, I mean, the lineup that they announced and being like, you know, I probably would have generally speaking wanted to go for something more like the 480 16 gigabyte, but it's $300, not $400 more. Eh, Screw it. I'm just going to get the 30, uh, the uh, 4090. I haven't bought a new card in five years. (laughs) Screw it. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of people say stuff like that. But, you know, the outrage, most people don't buy a 90 class or a Titan or something True. like they. Uh, and, and I was really thinking about it. I, I, you know, the video that came out while we're recording this uh, about, you know, margins and stuff. The original title of that video was Jensen Wang boiling the PC gaming community like a frog in a pot slowly. Like that was the working title, obviously too long and cumbersome to be the name, (laughs) but like that was the inception of it. I didn't actually get a chance to get to those thoughts, but I thought about, I've had, we've had a lot of time, me and you and our friends have been debating this because I, as usual, like to be a contrarian and go, well, I don't, NVIDIA's, done crappy things before so anyone who says this is the worst i'm a little i just feel like well let me back up here because you made a very good point i want to get to but i think i have to make mine for yours to surmise all of it guys here's the thing and just hear me out hear me out don't kill me hear me out here the 680 i thought that was crazy a decade ago I, i truly it was a 104 die that they would usually use for the 60 class. They called it the 680 and it was $500. That seems so quaint to complain about now, but that is what I thought at the time. And then the 780 true, that wasn't the 104 die, but they were refreshing Kepler, you know? So I don't know, you know, like that one's an exception. And then Maxwell, 980, 104 die, 1080, 104 die. I mean, 2080, 104 die, 3080, not 104 die, but Ampere didn't scale very well at the top, and they kind of made a weird decision. Uh, I think we can all agree their segmentation I, for Ampere was a mess, anyways. I, 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 we talked about that uh, off mic. I, I think it's pretty clear that something was going on with the 80, not 80, uh, <laughs> something was going on with Ampere 102, and 
they had to disable it a bunch of times, which is why you see so many freaking 3080s in the lineup. But right, if we consider, if you think about it, it's like, so then what are we talking about here? Kepler, original Kepler, and I guess, then I guess maybe Kepler 2.0, Maxwell, Pascal, Turing, Ampere, and now Lovelace, five out of the past seven generations, people, five out of the past, was the 104 die, and the 680 was 500. The 980 was 550. The 1080 was 700 for the founders, which was the real price. It went above MSRP during winter, got to $800 for a lot of AIB models during the winter. The 2080, $800 founders price. Now it's 900. 500, 550, 700, 800, 900. This has been a consistent trend. So I almost fell out of my chair laughing because I couldn't believe he actually went for it this time. <laughs> but Guys, Turing used the 104 die for the 2080, and it was 800, and that was four years ago, adding 100 bucks now. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying I like it. It sucks. It's bad. I think they're acting like mad people. Like, they're mad men. But this isn't completely out of left field. They've been doing this the whole time. They've been cooking the PC gaming community like a, a frog in a pot, slowly but surely raising the temperature, and I feel like $900 is 100 degrees Celsius. It's just the round number people complain about the most. But for being honest, they turned up the dial more with Pascal when they went from 550 to 700 for the 1080. You ask me, 1080 should have been the 1070. Yeah, I, I think there is the fact that uh, people are going into this generation a lot more skeptical, too, than they would have gone into Ampere with. Uh, rightfully so, because Ampere was an entire generation, I feel like, of being having a fast one pulled broken on broken hearts <laughs> like so uh, uh, and if they do truly hold msrp like i think you've said now uh like they are we'll going get to, to that hold, as its own story yeah yes. that they're going to hold msrp more easily uh, more readily than uh ampere did i shouldn't say more readily because i i, I want to know what percentage of ampere cards actually sold Within twenty percent of MSRP to this even. day, the thirty sixties <laughs> at like three fifty and up. Like, yeah, it's it's all BS. So I think people are approaching this generation with more skepticism, um, and when they see uh, the not the forty eighty twelve gigabyte, which everybody immediately like this wasn't a thing anybody had to convince anyone of. It was just like everyone saw it. And it's like that's a forty seventy, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, it, they they kind of not see in their heads they've increased the price of the 70 class gpu in people's heads from 500 to 900 dollars oh and the 500 dollar quote-unquote 3070 never sold for 500 dollars you would be lucky if you got that thing for like 650 for most of its life mm -hmm. so i think people are saying oh so okay this is what the price they're telling us is the 4090 actually going to be two grand? The 4080 16 gigabyte actually going to be fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars? And is the 4080 12 gigabyte actually going to be eleven hundred dollars or something like that? And that's why I think people uh, lost their minds. Is this is how they chose to segment it once? So we can talk about uh, die configurations all we want, but this is how they chose to segment it. And yeah, people are going to see the top gpu and they're going to mentally compare it to the top gpu of every other generation 
and they see a massive increase in MSRP, and they already don't trust MSRPs at this point. To where I think you have a runaway exactly. effect. So I think that's what we're seeing here is NVIDIA created the distrust, created these mentalities people have now, and it's coming back to bite them in the ass. And that is why people have the way I when we and you and Brock were talking about it, I was like, I just feel like NVIDIA did it a little more than usual, but not even as much as Pascal, by the way, guys. But then this is also at a time where they put a magnifying glass on it and they're calling two different cards the same name. It doesn't matter if you think it's okay to make a 104 die in 80 class. I never thought that was okay since the 680. I'm an OG in that opinion. Everyone just swallowed it for Pascal, I guess. And but <laughs> but even so, it doesn't matter what I think should be priced. Like you, you have two different cards called the same name. So they've created distrust with last generation. They put a magnifying glass on this by being a time where they're upping price and switching dies again. And they called two different cards the same name. Even if you think it can be in 4080. It's still two cards called the same name, which is absolutely ridiculous. So they which did I, everything they could to like make people be critical of. It's like they made every odd thing they could at once. I think you said that too to me. Yeah. And then I don't know the way they represented their performance. Like you say, uh, the magnifying glass is more than just they called two different cards the same thing. That's part of it. And I think they thought that that would like be a like this a, a 3d chess move they thought that somebody thought that they were playing some excellent sleight of hand trick or something when everybody mm -hmm. just immediately pegged what they were doing and uh then on top of that you have the absolutely baffling way they represented performance for all their cards where they basically just said everything is two to four times stronger which starting at 900 dollars. these are different products be because you're saying so you're saying the uh I can't remember in their presentation. Did they say the 30, the 4080, 16 or 12 gigabyte was two to four times stronger than the 3080 Ti? I think that was the 16 gig. Okay. So already they're like jumping around with the things they tell you one. Oh, the 4080 is nine gig is $900, except the one that we're telling you the performance about is the $1,200 one. And then we're saying that's two to four times stronger than the 3080 Ti. But the 4090 is also two to four times stronger than a 3090 Ti. Uh, those cards, the 4090 has what, like 60 something percent more, uh, uh, more CUDA cores than the, uh, 4080, uh, <laughs> just something isn't adding up from what they're showing. And I mean, my conclusion is kind of that just like 4,000 of your CUDA cores just aren't going to use in the 4090 that's the conclusion i draw from the numbers they showed me like i don't know <laughs> yeah um this writes in and he says howdy ton and dan ton my name's tom you should have done ton and damn if you're gonna do something too. that would have been funny that would have been a joke but instead i think we have a spelling mistake here he <laughs> says after two generations of nvidia causing awkward and hard to understand sku lineups do you feel they are already shooting themselves in the foot for creating two four forty eighties? Are they not at the same level? Uh, I I think this does damage, actually. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think obviously it's done damage. You know, <laughs> I mean, as much as I hate lying about MSRP, I I've talked to some AIVs, and we'll get to this later in the show. 
that are like, oh, we can easily profit at the MSRPs they've set. And they expected the 4080 12 gigabyte to be priced at 800 or 700. I just why just I, look, you're clearly ramping up the price. You don't care if people see the 4080 as a $1,200 card now. Okay, then this should have been called the 4070 Ti for like 800. And yes, there will be AIB models above 900, but it's it's ridiculous. And the fact that they actually it's so I've still been gotten over, like thinking about how annoying it's going to be for an in two years for us to talk about this shit where I'm just going to say 4080 gigabyte. I'm so I, I'm already mad like that. I have to say this now. Yeah, I know. And, and maybe I'm completely off base, but I, I feel like this is a generation that's probably going to have a smaller a smaller product stack than Ampere. So the fact that they're already being so, uh, they're already like preserving space so much with their GPUs. I mean, if their branding makes no sense, uh, when they're only revealing three cards at the top of their, uh, at the top of their lineup and ostensibly saying Ampere is the bottom of their product stack right now. <laughs> yeah, just directly like, saying, and the audacity to say that it start ray tracing starts at 330 with the 3060, <laughs> even though that doesn't even, you can't fucking get one for 330. Yeah, I know. I think based on the fact that they overproduced Ampere so much means that they can't have as big of a product stack this time around, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if this were only five or six cards, and if, if I, that prediction ends up being correct, the fact that they called this the 4090, I mean, not the 4090, the 4080 12 gigabyte, uh, like four years from now, people like getting into the market will see that and be like, why did, why was that a thing? That's confusing. Yeah, it was. And it was really annoying to talk about the entire time. Spamptum Neo writes in and he says, what do you think was the biggest contributor to the seemingly universal hate of Lovelace? Is it EVGA leaving with beforehand? The, the prices? Massive performance differences between various slides, the almost 50 to 80% 70 series pricing increase, and the multiple base 80s itself, not even talking about pricing, pricing performance getting worse at tiers, or could it have possibly been that it was just overhyped and then they overpriced something that was overhyped because people were expecting two to 3.5 times faster performance in raster? I don't want to get into the bullshit leakers that told you guys to expect three times the performance. <laughs> performance is exactly where I said it would be a year ago. So let's just leave it at that. I think before this happened, you saw a lot of, the, of other leakers too, just massively backpedaling their performance claims. So I think people expected double the performance. I think what they showed is at least that in ray tracing. And I think the performance is nothing to complain about for the 4090. Honestly, I really don't. From I, what I can tell, even though they're, confusing and probably overrepresenting it it still looks like a killer graphics card what do you think the number one i i think it's everything i think this this the problem is they they flubbed 10 important things i don't think it's any one thing yeah and i think there's usually one or two things like when something starts getting a ton of negative press when a ton, kind of bad movie gets a ton of hate and then people hold a magnifying glass and they notice every little plot hole in the movie yeah, like I think having two two base eighty GPUs, like he said, I think that's probably what made people scrutinize what they were saying so hard. Uh, I think it probably would have been negatively received even without that. But like mm -hmm. when you do something like that, it's everybody's just going to get confused and look at you and question why you're telling us what you're telling us. Right, and well, why you're 
telling us the way you're telling us, I should say. Yeah. And another point that I was thinking of bringing up in the video I put out before this podcast that I just didn't really flow to put it in there is I think if I were to summarize why I think people are so mad, it's deep down. People know they just can't get these graphics cards. They've been waiting this long in the performance. And it's adding insult to injury that the 4090 is as powerful as it is. Because here's what's happening. It's too big to fit in your case. Your power supply won't support it. And it costs more than you want to spend. So it doesn't matter. It's actually, if for me, it's more powerful than I expected for the ray tracing. Like this is, I thought it could be like 2.5 times. I didn't expect three times potentially in some scenarios. It's crazy. This thing is the performance I wanted, but doesn't matter if I can afford a 4090 for work. It won't fit in my case. I'd need a new power supply. And for most people, $900 is just too much for a GPU. This is the graphics. This is the generation that delivered on all promises of performance, but it's too big, too expensive, and it won't even use your power supply. So you can't use it anyways. It's like, nah, poking you in the head. That's what this generation (laughs) feels like. And that's why I really think people are mad because they just know there's three reasons they probably can't get it. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Algari writes in and he says, hey, Tom and guest Stan, listening to the recent broken silicon made me wonder, how likely do you think we'll see something like a 2060 KO this generation? You know, and he goes in parentheses, this is where NVIDIA stripped down a 2080 chip into a 2060 super or, or just into 2060s. He's like, do you think we'll see a world where NVIDIA just gives up on the 80104 and instead has only a high-level Lovelace chip for at least the next 12 months? I'm thinking 4090, 4080, and then 4070 Ti. And uh, so put it another way, would NVIDIA just skip the 4070 and completely this generation? I don't know. It depends how competitive RDNA 3 is. I don't think we can rule out the chance that what we see happen is RDNA 3 launches and NVIDIA launches a 4070 Ti for 650. That's 99% the performance of a 4080-12 gigabyte. Mm-hmm. The 4080-12 gigabyte is the milking edition of this generation. So I think that's totally something they could do. And the 4080-12 gigabyte could be one of those things that they just announced at the beginning because they thought it would be good press. And then they quickly replace it with some other skew, you know, like like he says, a 4070 Ti. I'm actually praying that they soft discontinue the 4080 12 gigabyte in favor of a 3070 Ti so we don't have to say it anymore. But <sighs> me too. Let me see here. All right. 0x000FO4 writes in. He says, can you give us more info on the 4090 Ti specs, release dates, and most importantly, price? Whatever refresh in the future. So. Here's what I'll say. I've really rounded the wagons on power usage for the 4090. There was a dual BIOS. Op. They they have a 600 watt BIOS for the for the 4090. They're shipping. They were going to ship dual BIOS to 600 watts. In fact, in a recent in some of the new information that's come out since the reveal of Lovelace, they're literally talking about the boards built for 600 watts or higher and can draw that much. And then I've asked as many sources as I can about this. Partners were briefed on a 600, actually some said 660 watt BIOS. They were planning to have it used that much. And it seems like last minute, one of those changes they made was, we can't ship with 600 watts. We'll look stupid. So mm-hmm. make no mistake, they have a 600 watt BIOS for the 4090 alone. They decided it wasn't worth the extra 10% performance or whatever. They're going to have a, there's a Titan in the lab right now. Whether they call it a Titan or a 4090 Ti doesn't really matter. They have it in the lab. 
I don't know if it's quite fully enabled or not, but it can draw 600 watts easily. And I think if they wait, and I think they want to for like 27 gigabit per second or faster memory, they can launch something 10 to 20% stronger than the 4090. So there you go. That's how much stronger it would be. How much would it cost? 2000 probably. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it would cost that much more because I'm telling you guys, these boards were built to handle 600 watts anyways. So I don't think it costs that much more. But uh, yeah, 10 to 20% more performance, probably two grand in cost. And it'll break your power supply. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Good reason to cancel it for now, I guess. Absolutely. Um, let us move on then after talking about that story for like 30 minutes to story number three. DLSS looks insane. Is it too good to be true? All right. So I've talked about DLSS in my own video. Well, we're preparing for this, Dan. I know you did a ton of research. Just you tell me, how would you describe what DLSS 3 is versus DLSS 2? How hyped should people be? Because they made some pretty absurd performance claims with it. Uh, um, I mean, after looking into it, uh, reading some articles, watching some videos on it while preparing for this podcast, I think there's the big claim that we'll see if it bears to be true right now that the new thing that's been added to their pipeline is essentially AI uh, is essentially interpret interpolation done by the uh, tensor cores, which so, is done in like with a lot of VR devices, the PlayStation VR two will do it and sports mode on your TV that doubles frame rates, but it's like a fake doubling. Yeah. And I think there's good reasons why it's done on some things. Like I think it makes movies kind of look like shit. So turn off interpolation on your TV. If you like want to watch movies, I, I don't like watching sports, really, so uh, but I'm told that it apparently makes sports a better experience when it's interpolated. And uh, I, I guess to, I don't know if we defined it, but interpolation is essentially the, they like you said, they throw in extra frames or they, or it, some chip calculates like what they think that middle frame would have looked like. Um, and essentially through, uh, on Lovelace, supposedly with DLSS three, it's going to be able to throw in extra frames uh, by uh, using AI to predict what that frame would look like. And it's tensor accelerated, they say. I believe yes. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. But <laughs> okay, um, right. So, and actually, the PSVR one does this too, and they have a separate box for doing it for you. They're making the tensor cores do it. The PSVR one box does supposedly. Mm -hmm. So I think. Uh, we've brought this up. It's been dis much discussed online. Will this actually do anything? You know, is it going to reduce latency or are these kind of just quote unquote fake frames that make the image smoother, which it seems to be leaning towards that's what it's going to be. Uh, so there's really no benefit for latency. And because it's an extra uh, layer of processing, it's probably going to increase latency. And then I stumbled across an interesting tweet that I sent to you from um, v the VP of, uh, what is it there? Applied Deep uh, Learning Research from NVIDIA, from Brian Cat uh, Catanzaro. NVIDIA Reflex, which is another feature they're adding uh, in introducing with Lovelace, removes significant latency from the G game rendering pipeline by removing the render queue and more tightly synchronizing the CPU and GPU. The combination of NVIDIA Reflex and DLSS 3 provides much faster FPS 
at about the same system latency. And I thought that was very interesting framing. I don't know if you'll agree with me, Tom. He's saying that mm. DLSS3 increases latency, but they're mitigating it. Yeah, that's what he's saying. <laughs> so the, to get... me, that sounds like an admittance that this these are all fake frames. We'll see when reviews come out. I think reviewers should scrutinize that, though. Oh, I'm sure they're going to. Oh, this will be a generation where reviewers will be pushed by their viewers to be critical, extra critical. And and you also sent me a picture of Spider-Man remastered on PC that seemed to have some artifacts. Yes. So this was from, um, I decided to look into an, a, any gameplay at all that has DLSS 3. Everything in it is, at this point, is cyberpunk pretty much, which mm-hmm. I tried to look at cyberpunk, but... There's just a lot of weird graphical crap going on with cyberpunk. So I think it's hard to say. I think it's hard to be critical of what's been of any given feature, given that there was a, their benchmarks. There was a ton of screen tearing and stuff like that anyways. Um, but uh, Digital Foundry put out a teaser for their, their uh, deep dive that they're going to put out about uh, DLS3. And there's a clip from Spider-Man that they showed that I thought was very interesting. And I think everybody should go watch it if they want to. Uh, it's their teaser trailer for DLSS 3.0. We'll, we'll put it on screen as well. Let me look yeah. at it here. Let me, let me full screen this. Keep talking. The image, if you look at it. Oh, I uh, see it. Yeah. It kind of looks like uh, when there's a border between things. It kind of looks like it's being rendered by Dolly Mini. I'm sure people have seen a bunch of those <laughs> memes now. Um, yeah. Like if you look at the border of uh, Spider-Man as he's jumping out the window, he kind of has like an, there's like a Heisenberg uncertainty field around him where everything is like a me- mesh of blue and whatever is in the background. Uh, I noticed... W- when I first watched it, that's why I scrutinized this clip so hard, by the way. Uh, it looked like there was a plane taking off behind Spider-Man. Like you saw like a, the cloud trail ca- uh, generated from it. And then it just disappears randomly. And I noticed that that wasn't supposed to be a plane. That was Spider-Man's like red suit trailing for like se- <laughs> for like a decent amount of time because the AI had just thrown in a bunch of images of like a a red streak across where Spider-Man's suit had passed. And then there was some weird clipping. Uh, And then I went back and decided to compare that same clip, Tom, to Hmm. DLSS 2.0. And no, none of that crap is there. Yeah. Because I've been very uh, impressed by DLSS 2.0, you know. Right now, I've actually been playing around with an RTX 3050 in preparation for some low-end GPU testing I might be doing soon. But you guys can guess which ones um, from which companies. And, you know, DLSS really does work, even at some lower resolutions. It makes the 3050 and games like Battlefield feel like a stronger graphics card. It works. But, you know, DLSS 1 sucked, and it used the Mm -hmm. tensor cores. Then they stopped doing that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... I remember saying in my initial Lovelace response video, like from what I'm gathering, talking to a few people briefly before I recorded the video, they're telling me there could be some DLSS one situations going on here. So we're just going to have to see. But so overall, what are you expecting out of DLSS three then? Like, do you expect it to 
be as bad as one. Well, I guess because that's the thing with one, though. One wasn't even better than like resolution scale. So it seems like you expect it to truly give you massively higher frame rates, but not help latency and add a bunch of artifacting. And so it's like, right. Am I wrong? It sounds like you like you or at least this is what I think from you talking here. It's better than one because it serves a purpose, but it's not like what we really what it'll be sold as. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, because I think in a lot of in a lot of like uh, reviews where or, or reviews where they uh, look at DLSS in the past, you are you'll see they zoom in four times, they slow it down, they look at it frame by frame. And yes, I did do that, admittedly, when I was looking at this, but I didn't do it initially. I start scrutinized that freaking clip from Spider-Man for like 15 minutes because I saw just a bunch of like, like clouds of red forming around Spider-Man. And I, then I slowed it down and I was like, oh, there's a lot more weird crap going on here than I even initially realized. And, and this that is was something me- they just decided to show. Yeah, that was me watching a teaser trailer for a, a, a review that's coming out in a few weeks, or I think a few weeks. Uh, and this is a well, it had to be. That's when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 I was throwing a number out there. I don't know when their it's their review for it is going to come out, or if it's going to come out early or something. Obviously, they have access to the card right now because they were able to show that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I think like the fact that this is what they decided to show you to sh- like to show you like look at how uh we're going to review this cool po- possibly cool new feature and then like just looking at it, at it without zooming anything in I immediately see a bunch of weird artifacting issues is I I mean I'm skeptical of it being better than 2.0 at this point well, and, and it's like you think about it, like, you know, the perfect generation for something like this to exist would have probably been like Kepler, like, or something like for the mm-hmm. 290X. And the 290X was, everyone was blown away the 290X could run 4K at 30 frames a second. Everyone like, oh, yeah, that's when it would be great to have something like this that can at least make it feel smooth while you're playing, even if there's artifacts in 4K. Mm-hmm. But this is a generation where I think both AMD and NVIDIA are just going to blow everything out of the water. So why do we need these shit frames added in? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, I <laughs> I can't tell you. I mean, I, I think it should be tempered with ultimately some people won't really care about these types of artifacts because they they do appear on screen, at least from what we've seen so far, for not that long. So, you know, maybe some people are like, you know, the added smoothness is nice for me while I'm playing like a single player game. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, competitive gamers certainly won't be using it. <laughs> yeah. And PC dog, I, right? I'm sorry, go on. Oh, I, I do think it's just important to know it, like temper it with so people don't just say like, well, you're overanalyzing this versus like FSR. And I think it's a fair point to note that like FSR 2.0 still has a lot of artifacts. I've tried FSR 2.0 a little bit in Deep Rock, and on the quality, not quality mode, on the performance mode, there were some there was some immediately noticeable bad artifacting on that too. So I guess that's to say they both have a a ways to go. But at the and end you of the day, and you y'all... panned RSR when it first came out, so this is not a channel that's like yeah. not, not critical of AMD. Uh, you know? uh, but at the end of the day, DLSS is the new feature that's being advertised as this quantum leap, 
in their super sampling technology where eh, I don't know if it is. You know, the the last thing I, I just remembered right now that we should note is, of course, this is only on Lovelace. They're not even going to let you use DLSS 3, at least at launch, with Ampere, which seems insane to me because they have all these Ampere cards to get rid of. And I've seen people in the comments say, oh, it's because it can't run it. Yes, it can. NVIDIA basically indirectly confirmed Ampere can run DLSS 3.0. It has the components to accelerate it. It just wouldn't do it as effectively. So... If DLSS 3, let's say, quadrupled frame rates with Lovelace, maybe it would only double them with Ampere or triple them. Whatever. Mm -hmm. It can do it, though. Mm -hmm. So they, just to be clear, they could bring it to uh, Ampere eventually. It wouldn't accelerate as much, but they could. Um, PC Dog writes in, he says, NVIDIA seems to be doubling down on DLSS, ray tracing, and high prices this generation. Yet not every game is ray tracing and or DLSS. This includes games even released in 2022. Are they overplaying their hand? Look, they're doing it, ma'am, because they know AMD is going to destroy them in efficiency and probably in pricing. So they need to make it feel like they're jumping two generations in performance. Or what, with Ampere, didn't they pretend it was two generations? Now they have to pretend it's four times. That's why you see 4X. They want you to think this is four times better because they might cost twice as much as AMD. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why you have them advertising features. That at least right now, I think if you look at DLSS three, eh, there there's certainly questions to <laughs> that I think need to be answered by reviewers. Mm -hmm. All right, Carbon Cry writes in. He says, "How do you think the large gap between Lovelace announcements and even its launch, and the RDNA three announcement will affect the recognition and broad narrative of this GPU generation? Is AMD shooting themselves in the foot by launching so late, which they're going to announce at least at November third? I don't know. Uh, uh, from the people I talk to, AMD is hoping NVIDIA is shooting themselves in the foot by launching early into a critical market. It, it, I mean, it's like the the age-old question of, is going first better? Like, in some contexts, I think it is. Sometimes it's not. I, I think you're right. In a critical market, eh, if AMD... Giving more time for stock to dry up of Ampere? Eh. And it might just be good, like... Even if AMD doesn't have, if we're comparing it to last generation, doesn't have like the best reveal, well, it's going to look better in comparison to this. Mm -hmm. This gives them more time to wait. And there's a lot of things to wait on, to wait on how much stock's left over, how people react to the Lovelace reviews so they can fine tune their pricing. There's benefits to going second here. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Sideburns writes in, he says, hey, Tom and Dan, I have a question regarding the memory controller dies for RDNA 3. Could they be stacked on top of each other to both double the infinity cache and bus width could be a way to also minimize the footprint of the package for mobile parts. Well, they're going to stack cache on top of the buses um, to, to add to infinity cache is what mm -hmm. it sounds like from Angstronomics. We'll just see if that happens. But as far as I can confirm, that is how it works in terms of stacking memory controller dies. I, I don't, I'm not sure. The one thing I would say is apparently we shouldn't rule out that they may have versions of Navi 31 or, thir or 30 that add more memory controller dice, actually. But I, I can't say that I'm sure of that. I, I have heard someone that I trust suggest that that's something they may be working on. But uh, if something were to happen, it'd probably just be some slightly tweaked die that can take more memory controllers, if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. Um. Smartboys writes in, he says, hello, Moore's Law is dead. How many people do you think will make the swap from NVIDIA to AMD this generation simply because the AMD cards will fit in their god dang cases for comparable performance? 
I've looked at almost all the upcoming 4090 cards, and the average length seems to be around 14 inches, which will not fit the vast majority of PC cases. The fact that most people's front mount their radiators reduces the possible number of cases that you could fit in there as well and complicates things. I imagine AMD will have much more reasonable cooler lengths. Yeah, I think they're probably going to be about the same size as RDNA 2s, which will save many people the hassle of buying a new case as well as rebuilding their PC, providing a greater incentive to try AMD. I don't know exact numbers. I think, honestly, once you get to a 4090, you're getting to costs that are so high, you might as well consider doing a new build. I mean, it costs more than most people's PCs. Are you really not building around this card? I mean, I also... Like, what... Like, what's the number of DIYers that are still mostly doing full towers? You know? Because uh, full towers and mid towers seem to be the most popular. And... Eh, mid towers actually are starting to become questionable if you can fit that thing in there. But full towers, I if a full tower can't fit your card, it's too big. Any full tower. Yeah, well, and <clears throat> I think most of the criticism, look, they managed to keep the 4090 about the same size as a 3090 Ti. My pro- for the founders, mm-hmm. my problem, the 4080 uses the same reference cooler as the 4090, apparently. And I've had a couple people tell me for the launch, hey, I can get you a 4090 or 4080. And I'm like, is there anything you can get within this footprint? And they're like, I don't even know if the 4080 12 gigabyte will fit in that. So that's a problem. This is it. I think it's going to be a real problem. And I think AMD is going to heavily advertise that you don't need a new PC. You don't need a new case, new power supply or a new job to be able to get one of these graphics cards. So <laughs> they're going to I mean, there they AMD. I just wrote the marketing for you, I think. Right. Like. I mean, if we start (laughs) no new PSU, no new case, no new job required. (laughs) (laughs) If we start seeing like dimensions advertised prominently, that would be pretty funny. I mean, that Asus 4090 looks like a a star cruiser. It's like the size. It's 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 insane. It's huge. I I mean, I have an Asus card and they they don't mind making their cards big. (laughs) They're usually pretty thick boys these days. Yeah, you know, Asus was the one that made those triple slot Fermi cards. Remember back in the day? Was that all the way back? Yeah. yeah I guess that was Fermi, wasn't it? Yeah. And then I remember a lot of people said they didn't buy them so they could leave room for SLI. <laughs> so funny looking back on it. A lot of people with one card that said that they could, well, use it for SLI. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Asus said is we've done the math or we've looked at the numbers. Like a lot of people say they want SLI eventually. 95% of you don't get a second card. So, <laughs> but back then that was a big thing, like making yeah. sure you have room for crossfire or something if you want to, in case you can do it in the future. The hope, the hope is what keep, kept people going. You can see my dog Reesey here has a schedule that's almost as busy as mine when we're at the office during a work day. And because of this, we're both always looking for an efficient lunch that we can make quickly that's also very healthy. And we've solved the problem with Vite Ramen, who's a sponsor of this piece of content. Vite Ramen is an eager American company that's crafted a protein and nutrient-dense meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. This includes their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice 
actual cooking, or their new Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on a variety of different products, including special bundles for Moore's Law's Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipe, Vite Go packages, and other food products and cooking utensils, and more. Whatever you prefer, using these offer codes helps support this channel tremendously, and it gets you a good deal for a healthy, fast, and tasty, reliable sponsor of Moore's Law's Dead. Try Vite Ramen today. All right. Let us hope for lower-priced cards with this next story. Story number four. AMD cuts MSRPs of Radeon RX 6000 series graphics cards. The quoting from Tech Power Up, AMD has come up with new MSRPs for its Radeon uh, RX 6000 series RDNA 2 cards in a bid to better compete against NVIDIA's 30 series high-end cards as the products life cycles of both companies draw to a close. The new pricing list was finalized on September 15th and is beginning to take effect in popular online retailers. The latest prices see the top RX 6950 XT at 950 the 6900 XT at $700, the 6800 XT often at $600, and it makes it $100, which makes it $100 cheaper, and with even though it's within 5% of the performance of the 6900 XT. And if you can find an RX 6800, its MSRP is $550, where the 6750 XT just was. MSRP cuts also have taken effect on those other cards from Navi 22. The 6750 XT is now 420. The 6700 XT is 380. And the 6650 XT, which replaces the 6600 in the product stack, obsoleting the, 68, the 6600 XT, is now $300. You can find a 6600. That one is $240 as well. And the entry-level 6500 XT and 6400 are now down to 170 and 150 respectively the next generation will be unveiled on november 3rd so i looked it up and i talked about this in my latest video and it's, this will lead into the next stories as well uh yeah the 6650 xt is just 300 bucks or less on new on a uh, new like like it really is even huh? after rebate and discounts you can find it for like 290 270 um i you know that's not a bad deal no I, you know the MSRP price drops were kind of a. I think the the reality of the market would have forced this, even if they didn't act, <laughs> change it in uh, number. You know, what's interesting is they refuse to reduce the price of the reference cards on their website, just like their CPUs. But whatever. Oh, eh, I mean, at least there's a. For historical purposes, it's easy to look up <laughs> that they refuse to do that. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, there you go. This is a real initiative. It, it, I've seen some debate online if they've really dropped MSRP. It's like, well, I guess it's kind of up for debate in some ways. <laughs> but no, I look, they're, they're, these new prices, and I've talked to people at AMD, this is an initiative. They are trying to lower the price with AIBs, and they are helping AIBs afford this as well. Um, and I, I, I thought we should just acknowledge this as its own yeah. story because it is news but it's really just going to end up leading into other stuff here in fact let me um let me skip ahead let me actually do this other story first so this will actually end up being story number five arc and lovelace margins leaked by moore's laws deb right here's the write-up over the past couple of weeks, Moore's Law Z has been at the forefront of confirming RDNA 3 versus Lovelace production cost information. And on the 23rd of September, Tom confirmed even more about said red and green flavors of GPUs, as well as the blue flavor 
Alchemist. In summary, Lovelace does cost a lot more to make than Ampere, but the MSRPs seem honest, or should I say, good enough to have AIBs afford to stay at them. In fact, the RTX 4080 12GB could have easily been a $700 to $800 card, according to multiple sources that I spoke with, but NVIDIA felt the need to keep it firmly above Ampere pricing for now. Rest assured, then, that there is some fat that can be trimmed over time on the 4080 12GB. At the same time, it would be foolish for anyone to think that that card could easily be below $600 with reasonable margins. The 4080 12GB costs a little less to make than a 3080, but it's a little less. And EVGA has already publicly said they couldn't profit. Well, they said they couldn't profit below 700 I think they're bending the truth a little. It's really 600 But anyways, meanwhile, RDNA 2 at its current lower MSRPs is allowing for some thin margins still. So when you see that $300.6650 XT, there's a slight profit for the AIB with AMD helping them out. It's They're close to breaking even, but they're making enough money that they're, they're happy enough. RAM prices have come down. The reason RDNA 2 prices shot up last year for the most part was the exploding RAM prices. And they can afford to keep the prices here and dump the rest of their RDNA 2 stock. So they do have a decent amount. And that was led to another major part of the video. Indeed, Intel's MSRPs are expected to hit the following prices after looking over bombs. I have bomb costs for alchemists. The A770 16 gigabyte will be 350 to 450 at $350. Based on the bomb costs I've seen, it's losing money. The A778 gigabyte will be 320 to 400. If they price it at 320, they're losing money on every A778 gigabyte sold. The A758 gigabyte, it will be between 290 to 350. Remember, this is the 6600 competitor. And now we have the 6650 XT profiting at 300, which should surprise nobody, guys. The A750 is a 225 watt card, not a 180 watt card. And its die is almost twice as big. So mm -hmm. if they. <laughs> It's, yeah, if they sell the A750 where it needs to be to be competitive, which frankly would be 250 actually or less, it's it's losing money compared to a 6650 XT. I'd still recommend anyways. And the A580, the 3050 competitor, loses money below 250 and would have to be at least 300 to profit because, again, still a disabled die the size of a 3070 Ti. And the A380, I included it. The A380 is losing money below 130 or above one. Yeah, below 130. So when you see that Azrock card for 140, I think Azrock's selling those at cost. <laughs> I have the so oh, there Jesus. you go. There's that's what there is to say. The MSRP for the 4090 seems to be real. Um, even liquid cooled editions should be within 10 to 20 percent of MSRP. So I guess yay, even though I don't know if we should celebrate a real price for a sixteen hundred dollar card. The A the uh RTX. 40, 80, 16 gigabyte probably should have been a thousand dollars or even 900 to be in the margins of last. Oh, I don't even know how we say the margins yeah. of last gen. Let me take that back <laughs> to be within reasonable margins. And the uh, 40, 80, 8, 12 gigabyte probably should have been a $700, 40, 70. But AIBs can't profit at those MSRPs. So they might actually be real MSRPs. Meanwhile, I don't know if Intel is going to go with a fake MSRP. I don't know if they're going to go with a real MSRP. All I know is that they would have to price the A770 below what it costs to make them to be competitive with a, a $300 6650XD. And I, 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 this basically confirms lovely, uh, that Alchemist. Arc, Alchemist is going to be sold at a loss. By the way, it sounds like Battle Mage is still just going to be like one low-end die for laptop. And Celestial, there's like no information. It might be completely canceled. So I'm standing by the effectively canceled discrete. Oh, <laughs> and I also confirmed... <laughs> 
OEMs are finishing validation of Alchemist. <laughs> and I guess they're going to announce and brief partners on the launch date on their innovation event between the 27th and the 28th, meaning they're briefing their partners on launch on the 27th, which means best case scenario, there's a paper launch to retail of like a handful of cards for Alchemist last day or something of September, and it might still not launch till October. And 90% of the volumes going to OEMs. They're just going to, in fact, I heard they might disable a lot of the cards that don't need to be disabled into 580 so they can just dump them for like at a lower price into Dell and just get rid of them. It's, it's a complete disaster there. So a lot of information there about RDNA 2 margins, Lovelace margins, Alchemist margins. What are your reactions, Dan? <laughs> you know, it, it, all this highlights is it's just it, Intel has no way to be competitive in this market right now, at least. And I guess it's not a surprise. I mean, how freaking old are these? Uh, have they been working or how long have they been working on DG2 for or Alchemist for? Like, how old are these initial designs? I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess. I uh, had specs for the top Alchemist die since late 2020. This is a 2020 architecture that should have come out mid to late That's evident. That's evident at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than I, I guess if they want to get their foot in the door still, they have their chance to sell something at a loss for like two months and then say, look, DIYers, we sold you a thing. Uh, hopefully you'll consider us for uh, whatever D is if uh, we get there. Yeah, that's the funny thing, too, is. Here's another thing. Uh, I heard today from a contact of mine that 3050 and 3060 stock is drying up from in NVIDIA again. So now would be a great time for Alchemist to come out. If it wasn't for the fact that AMD is selling $300 6650XTs, which in 1080p trades blows with a 3060 Ti. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they... It'd have to be $200 for me to recommend an A770 over a 6650XT that will be the same performance almost exactly, I think. And we'll just be far more stable and use less energy. I mean, it's just. And as far as we know, have drivers that don't crumble uh, <laughs> the second you touch them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I might have an Alchemist card on the way, guys. So I'll tell you what I think about the driver stability pretty soon. But I'm very interested to know. But uh, that was story number five. Let me then move on to story number six, just to kind of throw this all together. Intel did not launch Arc in summer. And I just have a tweet there. There's been other people reporting on this. I almost started gloating Wednesday because I knew it was going to happen. But me and you talked and we're like, just get some sleep, Tom. You got, you got to recover from getting attacked by a dog. Let's just get some sleep and uh, wait until it's official. And then Friday, it's time to gloat. And here we are. Guys, what I tweeted is, I don't want anyone to send me any statement or roadmap from Intel again as proof that anything's going to happen. They said Alchemist would launch quarter one. It, I would argue it didn't. They said it would launch quarter two, only low end. And now summer is over. Summer ended a day ago. It's done. It's when done. did the uh, A380 quote-unquote launch? It depends. They argue it launched to like laptop, you know, quarter one. But oh, for yeah. being honest, it launched like two months ago. Our one, laptop, one month ago. Kinda. Our laptops low end desktops, though, Tom. That's the question. <laughs> exactly. So 
I'm sorry. It's over. I don't want anyone to say, well, Intel debunked. Intel doesn't debunk anything until what they say is going to come out is out. I told you it wouldn't launch when they said it would. I was right. I'm telling you, stop waiting for art cards to come to high-end desktop because I believe they're canceled. There's just nothing more to say about it. Like, I guess we still have Australian summer, Tom. A lot of people were making that joke today, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Ooh, that one guy writes, and he says, Howdy, Tom. Moin servus, Mark. Oh, so I pulled this from the Mark uh, episode and put it into oh. this one for due to time. You'll be Mark today, Dan. Okay. Uh, on Friday night, Intel allegedly made the hard decision to effectively cancel ArcD GPUs. So this question is from a couple weeks ago. He says, with many big names in the industry coming out with their own sources to enforce the understanding that the decisions were anything but finalized, what really was decided on Friday? Well, ooh, ooh, I would say these people saying things aren't canceled were a lot of the same people that sent me that frickin' tweet Raja said, and it's not out in summer. So I stick by what I've said, and people can claim whatever they want on their websites. But he says, unlike future art gaming cards, if I understand correctly, the larger project AXG was not canceled. Right, and in my video, I said AXG is not going to be canned. They're going to keep it for data sender and developing an integrated graphics. So I'm not saying AXG is canceled, right? But he says, the point I'm trying to make was better elaborated by John Petty in Broken Silk on 165. Is Intel going back to their DG1 strategy? It seems to me that it was not a final decision, but they had to reconsider what their limits in supporting the software stack were. And they now want to limit the scope and platform they are reaching with future Arc GPUs. It seems that they got scared off by dipping their toe into a potential launch with the A380 and now have to reevaluate how ready they are to launch anything bigger in quantity and better in quality. If true, that could just be a matter of time and cut down lineups until they find their ground and swing back with bigger launches in a few years' time until they have drivers, hardware, and resources and logistics figured out. How much time will it cost Intel to get their stuff together or will they never catch up to AMD and NVIDIA? Was anything that regards... So I I called my video what I called it for a reason. Arc Discrete effectively canceled. It's effectively canceled, guys. Even Alchemist is going to be like mostly dumped into OEM. You're not buying it. This is a... And it came out too late to matter, too. It's effectively done. What this looks like, like I explained in a recent video, uh, which one was it? It was the one, yeah, I, I forgot. It was like one of the ones the past week where I said, guys, this launch for Alchemist has been so confusing and ridiculous. I have no idea what a cal- cancellation is going to look like. I don't expect Pat Gelsinger to walk out and be like, we were wrong, it's gone. They're going to act like it's not canceled for a year. We're not even going to know for a year. Battle Mage won't even come out till the end of next year, I think, at the earliest. So, like, we won't even know what's really going on. And how long was, uh, like, Optane on life support for? I mean... Exactly. Which, uh, I, I guess, that might be a more similar question to saying, like, how long will AXG be around for? But still, it, it's... I, it, yeah, the, they're probably not just going to cancel it overnight, especially if they can launch data center products. I think what they're going to do is I've already told you what they're going to do with Alchemist. I think what they're going to try to do, and again, some people are like 50-50 Battle Mage gets entirely canceled. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a good chance they launch like one low-end die late next year, use it for driver development. Um, I, I've heard it's on a 5 nanometer class of Node. So maybe four nanometer or whatever. Um, and it's just going to be one die that they focus drivers on. And if things start working well, they go, 
All right, let's do one 192-bit die or something for Celestial. And let's do a 256-bit die for Druid. They're leaving their options open. The decision that was effectively made was like just canceling all of these high-end desktop cards for next year and probably even low-end and just, you know, who's... Honestly, if I were them, I would do that, have one low-end Battle Mage card, and then I would, if they think they can do something great with an architecture after that, even if it's just one low, one mid-range card, sounds good to me. I think they need to rebrand. I think the arc name is a meme. I, I think they should rebrand if they have a good generation after Battle Mage. Huh. Yeah, I, I mean, there's the... There was uh, that period where, like, AMD, when they were a bit all over the place, where they were rebranding, like, every three generations and i think uh i think we're gonna be on not uh, rdna and navi for a while <laughs> with that br- same they're brand. very happy with those brands yes yeah but uh there's a reason that i think the uh they were only naming their things like the hundreds for a couple years or for uh well there's a reason they made a clean break from that i should say when they launched rdna so mm-hmm. yeah i i think if celestial or druid or elf i don't know what we call <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, elven warrior or something yeah yeah um i don't know if if that ended if they could release that to the mid-range or high end and release it on time yeah they should probably rebrand by the way uh and this was a last minute addition to the notes uh the the scavenger hunt for alchemist dan there's there gonna ship cards in a week or so so there you go this completely lines up with what i've said when (laughs) the paper the the barely launch of retail alchemist happens before they dump the rest of it to dell so there you go you're getting your sweepstakes card congratulations you'll be getting your a750 at the same time lovelace launches and hope the sweepstakes was worth it um qh freddy writes in and he says it's been well over half a decade since canon lake was intended to be launched, but Intel is still over-promising and under-delivering. For, for those who don't know, Canon Lake is something Intel wants you to pretend never happened. They still don't even acknowledge it on half of their slides <laughs> which for one roadmaps. Is, which one is Canon Lake again? I actually don't remember. That anymore. was the 10 nanometer die shrink of Skylake with a few tweaks. That they oh. only made one dual core yep. and sold it in the laptops in China. Yeah. Oh yeah, so they've done this before. Yeah. Ten, 10 nanometer zero. Yeah, 10 nanometers, zero, yeah. Um, He says, I would have expected, even if they are struggling with execution, that they would at least be more honest with the timelines of their products, but it's over a year into Gelsinger's tenure and nothing has changed. Is there any sign that there will be change for the better or will Intel stay on track with lying to their investors until they are irrelevant? Oof, harsh, QH Freddy. I think that there are some good signs from Pat. You know, he's starting to truly acknowledge things. I think, but he's not the whole company and the company is the size of nine AMDs or something. So mm-hmm. there's just, it takes time to turn a, a uh, aircraft carrier. And I think, yeah. I think let's give it another year before we're so sure he isn't changing things. Yeah. I, I, and I hope he is, uh, but course. I agree at a certain point, like you need to make a clean break with your past behavior and acknowledge where you screwed up, you know? That's why I'm like, I don't want an announcement of an announcement. Just shut up about Alchemist until it's out. If that's November, whatever. Well, what Tom, why don't we... We need to tweet a, a screenshot from a teaser for uh, 
for a reveal trailer for an event. That's mm-hmm. where <laughs> that's uh, what the internet has given us for everything. All right, let us move on then to story number seven. Okay, Raptor Lake pricing leak. So this is a very brief write-up, but I'm going to get into it here. Moore's Law said, didn't just have Alchemist costs in the past news cycle. We also got Raptor Lake pricing, and it is as follows. The i9-13900K will be between $660 and $730. The i9-13900KF, that's the top, 8 plus 24 config or 8 plus 16 configuration with the integrated graphics disabled. That'll be between 630 and $700. The i7 13700K between 460 and 520. The i7 13700KF between 440 and 490. The 13600K 330 to $350, more expensive than the 7600X. And the i5 13600KF 300 to 330. Since I have done this leak, I've had this reconfirmed to me by other people at Intel. Basically, this range is true. We just don't know if it'll be at the bottom or the top of it. And without getting into details, the people I got these pricing from, these are the same people that got me Alder Lake pricing accurately. First, I just remind everybody that if you go read reviews for Alder Lake, the pricing people say the CPU's cost is different depending on the reviewer. Like if you went to Micro Center, I think the 12900K was supposed to be 600, but on Newegg, they just said 650. So these ranges are... It's more mercurial what a CPU costs than it is a GPU, or it used to be and still is, and GPUs are starting to sound like CPUs, but I don't know, Dan. <clears throat> what do you think about this uh, Alder Lake, pri- uh, Raptor Lake pricing? Seems like not worst case scenario, but certainly more than Alder Lake. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it looks like, I, th- I think we've kind of discussed it before, uh, before, I think this just more confirms what around the pricing we expected. Um, you know, I think probably at the high end uh, with the i nine thirty nine hundred k, if it if it launches for six sixty, probably fine. Launches for seven thirty, probably a little bit too high of a price compared to the competition. Well, they're just and, so close, right? So it's gonna... yeah, it, it, it's it, it's really not that big of a. I, I don't think you're getting like a hugely different experience with like the uh 7950x uh versus the 3900 13900k yeah. but uh so them being priced accordingly about equally makes sense and then the i5 3600k is thir- why do i keep saying 30 13600k is probably going to perform pretty close to the 7700 and they're going to be priced about the same it, it, it's more like uh platform cost more than anything is probably a bigger factor than the cpu itself with their prices being this comparable and availability you know yeah yeah <laughs> people need to remember that a reason intel's just dumping a lot of their alchemist launch into oem disabled is i mean they just know they're not competitive so they're like yeah we know we're launching a card 30 percent weaker than it needs to be for half the yields but at the end of the day we can't compete with AMD's $300 cards. We might as well make it so Dell can buy them from us for like $250, <laughs> you know, and just dump that or something. Yeah. Um, even then, I just don't get it. But, you know, NVIDIA bought their capacity. TSMC is like, well, you bought it. You're going to use it. AMD can just shift volume. So mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm hearing, there's going to be a lot of Zen 4 CPUs because they're like, oh, there's too many GPUs. Well, CPUs. 
And so I just think Intel's got to remember that because it kind of sounds like Raptor Lake is going to be a paper launch in October. They won't even have good volume till like late November or something. So and there's basically going to be at least a month of just heavy Zen 4 volume where it's hard to get Raptor Lake. So I would just recommend to Intel. Look, man, it's got to be cheaper. I, I think I think the only one you can price match is the top i9. Yeah, it might win by like 5%, be less efficient, whatever the top gamers will get it. The i7 just doesn't seem quite as good as the 7900X to me. So it needs to be like 450, not 460 or something, somewhere around there, like make it 15% cheaper. That's still better margins than Alder Lake. The die yeah. isn't that much bigger for Raptor Lake. They're making higher margins. And the, I think the i5 13600K, I, I think there's a good chance it ties at best the 7600X. Even the KF model will lose integrated graphics, which now AMD has. It's so funny how this happens. <laughs> so higher platform costs, dead platform, launching later, lower volume. I don't know. Having said that, though, it may be hard to get a hold of these. So maybe they keep the higher prices. It doesn't matter anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about that? No, not too much. I mean, it, like... It's all about which is the better platform and even more so at a certain point availability. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will it really will be that on this one. Um, all right. Let us move on to the final story. Story number eight, Rockstar Hack. Quoting from Gaming, Gaming Bible with some updates at the end. Several minutes of footage allegedly showing in-game, well, now we know it is real, showing mm-hmm. in-development work on Grand Theft Auto 6 leaked on Sunday, September 18th, representing one of the biggest ever breaches of security at a major game developer. Said developer, Rockstar Games, has yet to update. They did publicly. It has (laughs) publicly confirmed that the leak is valid. They had been hacked. And in total, around 90 clips have been uploaded to GTA forums with Rockstar's parent company, Take-Two, attempting to take down footage everywhere it's posted all over YouTube. Jason Schreier tweeted after the leaks came out and began to dominate social media that there is no doubt... He's confirmed with Rockstar Rockstar sources the weekend's massive Grand Theft Auto uh, 6 leak is indeed real. And in a twist of the story, GTA forum user who claims to have acquired the 90 clips compromising this huge leak says that he wants to negotiate with Rockstar. Video cards reported that Teapot Tube Hacker wanted to hear from Rockstar Take-Two, but the conversation about if any (laughs) any connections between these companies is unclear. He also claims to have the source code, which would be disastrous for a company this big. Um, and uh, since then, already just today, it's breaking news. A 17-year-old in the UK has been arrested. So it's unclear if the source code really will get out. <sighs> so, I mean, this dominated the news cycle this week. My God, when it rains, it pours the amount of news this week. Yeah, I, know. I actually went on Sacred Symbols. That should come out as a Sacred Symbols Plus episode next week with me and Colin Moriarty. Talk about it in depth. They actually has a lawyer on to talk about the legal ramifications. So I, I recommend that to... What should I do for Rockstar? Orange? Let's do orange. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what, what did you... This has been a developing story the whole time. Even me posting this here, things had changed since I wrote it and then wrote it again. I mean, what did you... When did you first hear about this Rockstar leak? I had a... I probably heard about it like on Monday or Tuesday that it had happened. I I don't know. I must have been initially busy when I it happened because I somehow missed it like the day of and the day after. But I I mean as far as a hack goes, I think ultimately I don't think this really represents anything from 
what the game will be. It's so far out from being launched that uh, like the one, like I saw one clip from it. I mean, <laughs> this is clearly in a very, 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 very early build of the game they were making. So from a gameplay perspective, it's like, I don't think they, they really showed anything. I just think it's more worrisome that uh, a company this big got hacked and that these types of hacks, not necessarily just within video games, keep happening, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess the the uh, work I did to get ready for the Sacred Symbols episode is I just realized I could reach out to like half a dozen sources at Game Studios. So I reached out to multiple people. Some of them were duplicates at the studios, I'm going to say. I don't want to say which ones I talked to for which quote, but I talked to people at Ubisoft, Activision, Sony, Xbox, and uh, a couple indie studios. Um, and a technical answer I was given for, because again, I was like, how bad is this? Really, what is the source code? Why does it matter? Um, the answer I was given is he goes, when you boot up a game on your PC by double clicking on it, most of those executables are compiled into bytecode. These raw executables are written only for the CPU and GPU to be able to understand. And so it is legitimately a big deal if someone has the source code. Well, decompilers do exist or someone could try to reverse engineer the executable and get to some version of a source code. It's effectively impossible to do for a game this big and complicated. This is the entire GTA engine in the public space. Then if they have the source code, a proprietary engine for arguably the most successful game made in history that has advanced physics, lighting, water simulations, vehicle, like crumpling. Anyone can now do whatever they want with this from top to bottom, not legally, but if they're in a country where there was an adversarial relationship mm -hmm. with the U S there are developers that could totally just copy the engine and now use this instead of buying Unreal Engine 5 or something. And um, I mean, the only uh, I would just compress what a lot of people said into overall, it seems like it's not Armageddon, especially if the source code doesn't get out. Rockstar is a big company. What this will do is create harder, longer work weeks for a couple of months as they try to make sure they dotted all their I's and their code so it's not easy to hack and any insecurities left in there are gone. If they dig it out, the source code, they'll find a way to make it work. No, they're not going to have to redo the game. Like, uh, Falto writes in and asks, like, are they going to have to <laughs> delay the game? I, I don't think this will delay it any more than one month at most. I, I don't think it does. Maybe they'll use yeah. it as an excuse, but I'm telling you, every developer I've talked to doesn't think it will. The big problem is, is the exploits they might have for hacking. <sighs> if they got and the I, source code, but they arrested a guy, so maybe it's not out. Yeah, no, I really hope it's not because hacking is... <laughs> <laughs> big enough of an issue as it is i mm -hmm. guess this is a well rockstar doesn't view it as a single player game but a lot of people view it as a single player game and that likely hopefully wouldn't be compromised by hackers so well yeah and i'll quote someone i talked to from a triple a game studio <laughs> he i brought up cd project red because they were hatching at their source called stolen stolen for cyberpunk and he said well yeah but the reason they use their own engine is so they don't have to use an unreal engine you would want to copy the Grand Theft Auto engine. It's very sophisticated. It didn't really affect Cyberpunk because no one wants to use their garbage engine that doesn't work. <laughs> That's seriously what a AAA dev told me. He's like, look, the reason they're using their own engine at CE Project Red is because they don't have to pay licensing fees. It isn't mm -hmm. as good as Unreal Engine 5, full stop, is what he said. So, And it's not an online game, so it didn't affect anything. Yeah, I'm... 
I, yeah, obviously that's has, is going to have less of an effect on them. Like, oh, <laughs> whatever, I guess, from CG Project Red. Um, TikTok writes in and he says, isn't it crazy that the leaked GTA 6 gameplay is two years old? And with three years more in the oven, we haven't even seen what it looks like now. That old version still looks better than the new Saints Row. <laughs> it is incredible. Yeah. It is incredible how talented some of these developers are. Indeed. All right, so we have a wrap-up here, but honestly, I didn't have time to put out a fully featured wrap-up, and half of our stories have like 10 links. So I think this is a long enough episode no matter what. The only things in this wrap-up here that I think are worth mentioning, even though they don't get their own story, is let's see here. So this adds more context. It really seems like TSMC charged NVIDIA far more for the 5 nanometer process than AMD. And that mm. NVIDIA's billions out on this. This could be really bad. Like, I guess all this is to say is TSMC did not give NVIDIA any bargains, even though they bought up that much capacity. TSMC does not like NVIDIA, and they made them mostly pay in full. Mm. If NVIDIA can't sell Lovelace in high volume, it's bad financials for the next few quarters at NVIDIA. This isn't financial yeah. advice, but that's what this is all looking like. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know, might explain why uh, a, a little bit at least of AMD having a uh, possibly lower pricing. Additionally, here's another little mini story. Phoenix running in the lab with a Xilinx AI engine. I think we all knew it was a Xilinx AI engine the second they started talking about that with Phoenix oh, after yeah. AMD acquired Xilinx. I just thought that was worth mentioning. Phoenix is up and running in the labs. Its AI engine is apparently impressive. Fun to talk, bring up. And uh, the new 13900K box is out. So is the Zen 4 box. We know what that looks like. I don't have much, have, have much to say. I think they both look cool. <laughs> okay. All righty. Let us get then to the final reader mails before I fall asleep. Falto writes in, thoughts on the new rumored PS5 model where it could have a detachable disk drive via USB-C my opinion, I think it's an amazing idea. Hopefully they allow current PS5 discless models to utilize as well as I believe it's said it would be sold separately too. So I haven't looked into this at all, Dan. I flag this as Dan. Is this true? Is this true? Is there rumors about a disc? Well, there's rumors. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it being true. I mean, to some extent, maybe it makes sense. I, like maybe they could bring down manufacturing costs a little bit of the PS5 by not having to manufacture two different like I guess I like to I guess I don't know how those are made probably injection molds or something of the uh panels. I don't know, maybe that would be worth making that so they don't have to make two different shaped models of the PS5. That's honestly the only reason I could think that they would want to do this though. Yeah. Um but so you haven't seen like pictures that I I don't honestly know. Like no, there's seen... no pictures of, uh, there's no pictures or anything of it. There's a a, a rumored disk drive that would they might uh, launch with a new model where you could, I think, buy it with or without the att attachable disk drive. And it is also supposedly uh, mountable to the console. Taylor Hayden writes in and he says, Hi, Tom and Dan. Since I got my Steam Deck two months ago, I have been playing on that Steam Deck much more than my 5800X and 3080 equipped PC. I maybe play my desktop 15% as much as I used to. 
The Steam Deck's quick resume feature reduces the friction of use to basically zero compared to turning on the TV and being restricted to a couch or desk. It's taken a long time for RDNA 2 to trickle down into non-console APUs, although they argue it's a console. Do you think it will take a similar amount of time for RDNA 3 to land in an APU? Will we have to wait for RDNA 2 to stagnate like we did with Vega? I would much prefer to see speedy improvements in this 15-watt product category. My friend, I don't know where you've been, but I've done several Phoenix leaks, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, RDNA 3, a version of RDNA 3 is in Phoenix. It actually seems like an interest, like a somewhat custom, a different version than a lot of the desktop mm -hmm. ones, but that's true of RDNA 2 as well. You know, there's no Infinity Cache and Rembrandt. Uh, but it has way more L2 cache. So does the PS5 and Xbox Series X. So it's some RDNA 3 variant in, in Phoenix, and that launches in January, it seems. so. And there's there's two versions of uh, Phoenix, and from what I hear about the Strix APU, there's three versions. Hmm. So, at least. So, yeah, they're going to be updating APUs faster than before. AMD has the money now. All right, Dan. Hopefully we've gotten through it. Cool things. That's, that's the episode. We, yeah, we did it, bro. I am exhausted after this <laughs> week. I've got to say, but the world couldn't do it. They couldn't bring us down, Dan. They tried as they might. They they said, "Can you talk about uh, Nvidia for an hour and fifteen minutes episode?" And we did. They said we couldn't talk they, about Nvidia. For they an were hour. we've never done we it before. Do it. I know. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, they're probably bad people. They those people too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank all of you for listening or watching this episode of Broken Silicon. Remember that if you subscribe to the Moore's Law is at YouTube channel, ring the bell button, you'll get updates. You know, whenever we put out new content, if you support us on Patreon, you'll get this early and ad free and the ability to ask me and Dan and guest questions and exclusive podcasts like Die Shrink, free questions for loose ends, so on and so forth. New loose ends are coming. September's almost over and Alchemist still isn't here. So <laughs> another loose ends. Where I'm like, yep, guess it's still not out. <laughs> Although I suspect by the loose ends, they'll be claiming it's out. We'll see. Um, yeah, all those things are there if you want to support the channel, support our sponsors, Buy Vite Ramen, CD Key Offers, many more. And uh, take care of yourselves, people. Be nice to each other, please. Bye, everyone. Put your dog on a leash. All right, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcasts, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. 
Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Bateki, Muhammad Akwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Journey, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Shredbird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJV1, Eric Jackson, Justin Brennan, Sammy Good, Valcom Alev, The Boss, Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamtum G. Spamtum, Jonathan, Lord Starstream, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Moses, Zuries, Gregory S. Ecker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Christian Lovoy, Hardforum.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Bassler, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Christopher A. Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Sa- Stephen Hart, Jason B., Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskoak, Travis Gooding, Holden Moby, Nanny, and Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Atrani, Patrick Rowe, Annual Chief, Brett Summers, Annie Wynn, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kunden, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, McDaffy, Damian Peterson, James Anderson, Rye Tree, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Albuma, Narithio, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan Colatic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Brendan O'Connell, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah Nukuela, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerem Ferriere, Mayer, Desis, Thomas Steve, Precision, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Sean O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Slushbot, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Neith Rizink, David Eastland, Cal, Andre Jacques, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Sandler, Jordan Simkovic, Loophole 35, Windstar, Joker, James I. Radner, Corey Leonard, Nan Lima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelfin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Davies, Shay, Julian Leaked, Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, Timothy Baldridge, Samuel Park, Radiant Technologies Group, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.